Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Markets. This is the Bloomberg Markets. Corey Johnson here in San Francisco. Carol Master on the other side of the coast in New York. Yes, on the other side of the country. It's actually gotten warmer now than it is there. Uh, has it really? Here. Well, finally. Yeah, it's 81 here and 79 there. Well, the but, sun, uh, yeah. yes. <laughs> sun coming out here in New York, but uh, not so sunny when it comes to some wealth managers. They're getting hurt by those lower fees, so we're seeing yeah, the impact of that. Course. Pervasive in the industry, a big deal. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, but first let's get a data check and business news headlines with Bloomberg News anchor Charlie Pellet. All right, I thank you very much. Sticking with weather, guys, uh, sunny day on Wall Street with the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ all advancing, and this update brought to you by Marvin's Room on Broadway. Time out New York raves. This luminous revival depicts a world in which loving others is its own reward. Don't miss Janine Garofalo, Lily Taylor and Celia Weston in Marvin's room through August 27th. Visit roundabouttheater.com. Just getting word that MetLife, the largest American life insurer, has agreed to buy Logan Circle Partners from Fortress Investment Group, adding an asset manager that oversees more than $33 billion. U.S. stocks rebounded from the biggest sell-off since May. Treasuries fell after unexpectedly strong hiring data bolstered confidence in the American economy, underscoring the Federal Reserve's case for raising interest rates. Reaction to the report from Gina Martin-Adams, chief equity strategist at Bloomberg Intelligence. It's about as good as you can get. Yeah. I mean, it was a decent job growth number, a decent payroll or a decent average hourly earnings number. Unemployment rate still very, very low. I mean, this is this is about as good as you can get for stocks, frankly. Oil slumped a weekly loss as a decline in U.S. crude stockpiles failed to convince investors that global markets are rebalancing. West Texas Intermediate crude down 2.5% to 44.37, lower by $1.15 a barrel. Gold down 11.60 the ounce, down almost 1% to 12.11. The tenure down 5.30 seconds, the yield there 2.38%. Equities higher, weekly gain for the Dow, the S&P, and NASDAQ. S&P up 15, up 6 tenths of 1%. The Dow up 94, up four-tenths of 1%, NASDAQ higher by 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. And Bloomberg Markets is brought to you by National Realty Managers of New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, and Florida. Cash flow real estate offering safe, high-yields cash flow property units. See them at NRIA.net. Peggy Sue, Peggy Sue, pretty, 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 pretty Peggy Sue. She's oh, back. Peggy. Peggy Collins, investing team leader at Bloomberg News, here to talk about what's going on uh, among wealth managers who I guess they're having a little bit of a bummer here. You know, it's interesting, Carol, because on one hand, with the stock market on a tear, once again this year, rising about 8 9% so far through the first half of the year, the actual assets under management for wealth managers have continued to rise. So that's mm. the good news. But what's the bad news for them is that when you look at the longer-term trends, there are two main things that we're starting to see, according to a report that was out um, at the end of last month, which is basically that 
the fee pressure that's been happening, both driven by investors themselves, by the rise of robo-advisors, and by regulation, is showing up in terms of a decline in the actual revenue. So even though their assets are rising, the amount of money they're making off of that is actually going down. Which just goes to show you how much they were making off of the fees that they were charging everybody. Yes, exactly. So, for example, industry fees as a percentage of assets fell 1.13% last year, following a period for many years of stability. And one of the reasons for that is there's been also a decline in commission-based trades. So like you were saying, Mm -hmm. when the industry was really making the bulk of its money off of each trade that it made or each product that it sold, you could sell a lot of higher fee products to people and therefore make more revenue. But as there's been a shift to fees based on how much your assets are in your account, for example, if an advisor is going to charge you 1% a year for the assets that you have in your portfolio, that is that is a sea change for how much money the wealth management industry is gaining. And one other thing that to note that's really interesting is with the with the flow of money in terms of baby boomers, those people who, you know, were born in the 50s and 60s and are now retiring, they basically account now for half of the wealth management industry's assets. So, we're at prime peak here of people in that generation kind of putting their money to work in retirement. But the bad news is is that we're not really seeing the younger generation, generation X, people born in the 70s, 80s, or the new millennials mm. drift to the same type of wealth management firm. So longer term wise, there's a real question mark about where they'll go from here. Uh, well, at the same time, you know, we had our ETF report earlier and uh, Jenna Dagenhart's report pointing out that uh, the ETF inflows are just extraordinarily high numbers like we've never seen before. That's absolutely true, Corey. And ETFs, as you know, have just been experiencing a race to the bottom in fees. I mean, you can, the fee prices now are, it's like four basis points. Like it's almost as if you're getting the product for free. Mm -hmm. So what's happening in the industry is actually financial advisors are reinventing themselves in some way into a, a person who's going to help you see your whole portfolio and use passive products to arrange that portfolio, but not necessarily be seen as the expert in picking individual company stocks, like an IBM or a Microsoft winner, or an actual mutual fund manager, like in the days when Fidelity had the best stock picking manager, for example, finding those people. It's more about how much of your portfolio is in ETFs that are internationally based, how much of it is in domestic stocks, but it's arranging the passive products, actually. I am curious, too, Peggy, if we see a point where because of, you know, millennials very happy to go online and kind of figure this stuff out, that your traditional wealth managers, do we see either consolidation? Do we see some of them dropping out of the business? Because it's just going to, at some point, financially not make sense. At the same time, they kind of need to have assets to play around with. Absolutely. So, so yeah. we're really seeing a barbelling potentially in the industry. You see asset managers like BlackRock or Vanguard just swallowing billions right. of dollars into their index or ETF products per month. And then you see the old guard mutual fund, active mutual fund managers who really have continued to see outflows and are now getting pressure to do something about that. So we are absolutely expecting more consolidation in the industry. We saw it last year with Janus and Henderson, a London-based firm, and they merged with the U.S.-based firm. We're absolutely seeing more of that. And then we're also seeing a lot more people, to your point, Corey, about ETFs, start to come to market with a blended type of product. So where they say, hey, it's an ETF, but we overlay an active strategy on it as a way of saying we're going to charge not as expensive as an actively managed stock fund, but we're going to charge more than just an ETF at four basis points. 
Um, well, it, interesting. I mean, it, it's it's a time when you can see sort of some big changes in the market. And I think, you know, we've only 30 seconds left, but it, again, driven by low returns. Driven by low returns that could go on for a while and also by the rise of really cheap index products where people are saying, does it make sense to pay the high fees if I can just follow the market up? The question is, what happens when the market goes down? Right. We don't know that yet. Exactly. Hooray for investors, more choices, less fees. But again, we don't know what happens when the market goes down. Exactly. I do wonder. Hey, Peggy, thank you. Thanks, Carol. Thanks, Corey. Peggy Collins, investing team leader here at Bloomberg News, joining us in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. Coming up on the other side of the break, we'll get another check on today's trading session. We did uh, finish with gains across the board. A little bit of a bullish trend, if you will. Uh, I am Carol Master in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. Corey Johnson in our Bloomberg 960 studio right here on Bloomberg Radio. Let's get to Nathan Hager in our 99.1 studios in Washington, D.C. with some world and national headlines. All right. Thanks, Corey. President Trump has shrugged off Russian meddling in the 2016 election before, but he did bring it up in his meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin at the G20 summit. Bloomberg's Irv Chapman reports from Washington. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson took part in the meeting and described it afterward. They had a very robust and lengthy exchange on the subject. President pressed President Putin on more than one occasion regarding Russian involvement. President Putin denied such involvement, as I think he has in the past. Tillerson said the two presidents, rather than relitigating the past, as he put it, spoke about cyber threats related to terrorism and infrastructure, as well as interference in the democratic processes of the United States and other countries. Irv Chapman, Bloomberg Radio, Washington. Trump and Putin also came out with a ceasefire agreement for southwest Syria. Tillerson says it's the first sign the U.S. and Russia can work together on that conflict. It sounds positive. We'll have to see how it plays out, and we'll have to see how it impacts the actors on the ground. Obviously, if it's secure. Jordan and helps protect uh, Jordan, a strong U.S. ally. That's a very good thing. If it provides uh, a cover for uh, other activities that are destabilizing, then that's not so good. So the devil's in the details on this one, and it has to be executed. Former NATO Supreme Allied Commander Wesley Clark on Bloomberg Television. The state of Hawaii is appealing the Trump administration's travel ban rules. It says grandparents, aunts, and uncles shouldn't have been left off the list of close relatives a visitor would need in the U.S. to be exempt from the ban. I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg.